<laughs> recording. Do you guys hear that too? Yeah. When it says recording in progress. Yes. Yeah. That reminds me of, did I tell you what Penny said? My four-year-old the other day. It was during her brother's nap time. And he was taking a nice long nap a couple hours in the afternoon over winter break. And so we were down here playing a board game uh, or trying to set one up or whatever, you know. Um, monitor down here and he starts cooing on the monitor, you know. And she she goes, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> um, you know, fairly normal, fairly normal stuff, right? And then she throws on her, you know, high-pitched falsetto um, character, actor voice. And she was like, pretending to be her brother and she said i'm feel i love my family <laughs> right <laughs> and then there's a beat then there's a beat and i'm just thinking you it's cute you're probably also like on too much sugar or christmas candy or something and then like okay then she continues i'm gonna kill them because <laughs> <laughs> they're evil <laughs> Oh, wow. I just like my dry at the floor. Oh, she's always um ever since, you know, she started watching her first like movies and fairy tales and you know the good guys and the bad guys. She's really glommed on to all that stuff. So amazing, <laughs> amazing one liners coming out of that of that kid these days. Well, anyway, welcome to the SPC podcast first episode of 2022 my name is tim i'm your host i am joined today by amar patel uh, and chase i was sneezing so my apologies <laughs> chase Petusniak. that's right amar i speak to normal people patel and chase <laughs> The only medievalist in his cohort, Pedusniak. <laughs> it serves sound effects. Okay, guys. So we we're so we're doing our out with the old, in with the new 2021, 20 looking back, 2022 looking ahead episode. I love these because I always like to listen to them on podcasts that I enjoy, but I've never like done one. Um, so excited. But was there anything on a quick, like, catching up over the last couple of weeks? Good, the bad, the ugly, the weird. Uh, what have we seen? What, what, do, what do we have to report from the streets since we've last been together? Anything pressing that we need to keep our loyal followers in the loop about? Well, as I shared with you, and I'll repeat uh, for Chase, is I was uh, having a little get together with a friend of mine um, who uh, who attends a a uh, evangelical, you know, non-denominational church. Sorry, I'm not yeah. sure if that's non-denominational. I guess it is, right? But uh, you know, they came over, and it was before January first. I want to say it was the 30th or the 29th, and they opened the door and they said, "Hey, Happy New Year!" And I said, "Or Merry Christmas." You know, we still got like eight days left of Christmas and she was stunned and confused. And I said, well, you know, there's 12 days of Christmas. Christmas season starts on Christmas Day and it goes to the Epiphany. And and she just stood there for a moment 
processing this and she goes oh oh i thought you were talking about advent i said i don't know why you would have thought i didn't say this but i'm thinking to myself i don't know why you would have thought i was speaking of advent since i said merry christmas but you know however that may be i you know have recently then done like six facebook and twitter posts saying merry christmas we still have this many more days just as a public service announcement for all people who don't know that that's a season of time, you know, I didn't get into the liturgical elements of seasons, but, you know, still just a kind of a quick reminder. So listeners might think that you, that is part of the new evangelism. The new evangelization is that you have to say Merry Christmas for 12 straight days. So people don't forget. So you, you get around this problem in the Byzantine churches, because there's like a bizarre seasonal greeting for each of the kind of major. Seasons. Oh yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So you just hear it over and over again. Uh, it's kind of inescapable. Though, funnily enough, the Ruthenians kind of made up their own for um, Theophany slash Epiphany, uh, obviously on January 6th. Uh, but it's just, it's weird because it's not a real one, but they've just made one up, which ends up clipping the Christmas greeting, which I think traditionally goes to like the Feast of the Presentation, which is in mm-hmm. early February or something right. like this. So yeah, there's innovation and tradition that's what we're all about here at the solidarity wonk podcast uh now let's uh, those words are now banned actually from the podcast don't care innovate sorry mm-hmm. innovation and tradition <laughs> they're okay. they're uh do you guys ever watch the movie clue yeah so just ago. Tim Tim Curry saying it X is a red herring or the most famous meme is communism was just a red herring. <laughs> you know, in referring when it gets to the reveal of the who done it, you know, and they're doing flashbacks about little clues, Tim Curry as the sort of perfect butler narrator sort of role um describes different moments and you see a flashback and then he says such and such was just a red herring. And Tradition, innovation, red herrings all the way. <laughs> Says the man in the Francis sweater. <laughs> you you just took you took the risk of putting something into words just now, not me. <laughs> the power of silence. Cardinal Seurat. That's all you need. That's the political manifesto of today. Uh- I want to announce uh, my new business that I'm starting uh, over, over the Christmas season. Uh, I'm, now an ex, I'm now an ex-evangelical deconstruction life coach. Uh, so if anyone wants to just sit and deconstruct innovation or and or tradition, I charge $350 an hour. I do do teletherapy. So whatever you need. I am licensed. I have a master's degree in English literature. Right. Um, amazing. Well, and also for a limited time only, if you uh, sign up for a, your introductory session with Chase, you will also get 10% off your first subscription box of my new monthly subscription box uh, called the Power of Silence Boxes. And um, that is a good thing. Uh, and the, that's, a, that's a bit that's now over. Um, 
Amar, do you have a product that you'll that you want to sell? That's pretty funny. I mean, you want to plug anything? I I will just share this, and someone will steal it, which is fine because I would never be able to put this together in any kind of coherent uh, way. But uh, you know how they have Uber Eats. My wife and I, we or my family, we had a, a movie night where we were just kind of watching stuff. And I said, you know what would be really cool is if you could like go on your phone. There's an app, and you could put in like roving movie theater concessions and it would just be like an ice cream truck that would drive around the town and it'd give you like fresh pop popcorn and other movie theater kind of goodies you know at your doorstep you just go out there and you just get like a bag of popcorn like freshly popped like movie popcorn so it's like not good for you at all because we have an air popper but you know that's not the same when you're watching a a movie that you've rented on on uh voodoo for 3.99 you want some you know, you're like, well, you might as well add on top of that, get some movie theater popcorn. So, yeah, that used to be the cool thing about like Blockbuster or whatever, you know, right. because they had that, they would have the specially marketed brands of microwave popcorn that were, you know, like movie theater extreme butter <laughs> edition or whatever at the yeah. checkout for your DVD or you a little bucket. Yeah, yeah, a little bucket, and they'd at least have the candy that matched what you could find, and like the snow caps, right? Which I have only ever seen in a movie theater, and my wife inexplicably likes. Um, she also <laughs> likes what are they? Um, Starbursts. Oh, I always make fun of her for that. She's the only human being I've met since like the fourth grade who <laughs> legitimately likes Starbursts and would like sometimes pick them out of a. Oh, this is you don't tell me your your Enneagram or your Myers Briggs. Tell me whether you pick a Starburst or a Tootsie Roll uh, out of the most generic Halloween candy opportunity grab bag. I just feel like I stepped into Bizarro World because <laughs> in my life, okay, everyone likes Starburst. I like Tootsie Rolls too, and everyone says I'm a freak. So that it's Dude, the I have what? no idea where this is coming from. Wow. Oh boy. That's, that's pretty exciting. But they're like Tootsie uh, Rolls aren't really chocolate, it's something else. And I'm like, I don't care, they're good, you know. I love a Tootsie Roll, but apparently that makes me a freak. And apparently I'm a freak in Tim's eyes for liking Starburst, so I can't win. Enemies on all sides. Well, as a as a knight of Columbus, I swear allegiance to a Tootsie Roll. So uh, you know, Amar, what? I got the greatest Knights of Columbus email the other day, and I am not a member. I don't know how they found me. I don't know if you gave them my name or what. We come for you. Yeah, we'll hunt you down. It was it was really amazing because it was the most, it was a very dad email. And that's how, also how I know I'm changing in, in my position in life. Because it literally was like, you should just donate to us to get a tax write-off. It was the most, <laughs> it was like, are you looking for another thing to be able to write off on your taxes? Give us some money. I was like, Mike, like, that's like always what the point is, but I've never seen a, a charity just come out and say it. And like, yeah, I haven't seen know. that one. I get a lot of emails, but I've not seen that one. That's what, I, that's what I should make Catholic Social Action do. If I could ever figure out where the like email is with the like robotlawyer.com whatever i use to like <laughs> register it as a nonprofit, which i like <laughs> haven't heard back from um but to be fair i also failed to return like 
five of their customer service calls asking me for to do something about that. So we'll call it even. Um, but yeah, I was reminded as I heard what you said about starbursts of a, that William Blake quote, you know, like if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is <laughs> infinite, infinite. Um, Very Platonist. And I just, uh, that sort of reminds me of another, it's like paired that with a, a quote from the movie, John dies at the end, which I'm going to butcher, but it's basically like, you know, there's these hidden things in reality. It's very Lovecraftian that you can only see as a, a flicker for a nanosecond out of the corner of your eye, like if you're looking at something. Mm. And uh, I'm having very much a sort of Lovecraftian experience hearing this uh, weird sort of perverse um, sort of almost like satanic inversion of my reality uh, described in whatever uh portal you are visiting us from <laughs> i'm just so I'm... twisted part <laughs> sure so i think it's again maybe this will be another in inversion from hell but uh in my experience the starbursts that everyone as a kid and if they still eat them as adults the ones they will like take out of the package and then burn the rest on a on you know some kind of sacred altar they eat the pink and the red and they don't have time for the yellow or the orange Okay. Now I like all of them, but I don't like them equally. Pink and red are the best ones. That's everyone knows that. My wife, her favorite is the yellow. I have never wow. met a single person on earth who thought that. I have never met literally the only person. So we're 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 a minority within a minority here. We're doing intersectional confectionery analysis. <laughs> it's looking does she, it's looking does she also enjoy lemon heads? Okay, now here you're really dangerous terrain here, Amar. Just to piggyback, also relate your answer to Amar's question on being an exvangelical. Okay, well, I wasn't allowed to have candy uh, until I'd gone to the Hell House on Halloween, uh, and the only candy we were allowed to have were those Boston baked beans. <laughs> of course, my father was originally from Boston. <laughs> of course, my name is Vito Cavatelli, but since age three, I've been attending the. <laughs> the new life church of the risen calvary christ okay. oh my god <laughs> that's my my least favorite thing on earth is when you hear about a public figure whose name is like salvatore carmine guglielmo and they're like and the you know the little placard comes about him it's like pastor of you know rebirth church Cincinnati, <laughs> ohio and i'm just like i don't like i'm not a violent person i don't think but if like that, if that were not through a screen, I might, I might have to fight that person. I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with that. It's like, you've been marked from the beginning to be anything but an evangelical pastor. If your name is like, you know, Vito Cordiglione or whatever. Anyway, I do not like lemon heads that much. I don't know if my wife does, <laughs> but what I love, and you cannot find them. You cannot find, I, I scour far and wide to find them. Grape heads, which are just grape flavored lemon heads. They're the same Whoa. thing, just grape flavored. I am an artificial grape flavoring fiend, is the greatest of the artificial flavors to me. I know, controversial opinion. I'm sorry. My taste buds were broken by uh, receiving 
too much grape juice as a child uh, when I would go every other Wednesday for uh, the Lord's Supper. <laughs> and I am. Um, I'm just sorry, but I love a grape head because I have these amazing memories of in the most New Jersey way possible. My mom would have to take me to the tanning salon because there was no one to watch me. So I would sit in the lobby of the tanning salon while she was you know, tanning. Uh, and the only thing, <laughs> thank you, Omar, I, I'm going to buy thousands of boxes and get diabetes and, and, and it'll be terrible, but that's fine. Um, but she would take me to the tanning salon where I would then walk down the street to the Krausers, which is like a little gross uh, convenience store chain, uh, where I would get Mad Magazine and Grape Heads. Yeah. And I would sit in the tanning salon eating Grape Heads and reading Mad Magazine while I waited for my mom to be done tanning. And of course, everyone who worked there was like a teenage girl. So, you know, I'm like nine years old. And I think just because they're talking to me, they think I'm like the hottest man on earth. And I'm like, oh, you got it, Chase. And of course, mm-hmm. that was not at all true. I was <laughs> literal child, <laughs> but it was very nice to me. And uh, I got to have great pits. So they have a special place in my, uh, in my heart. Hmm. Now, so you, when you grew up, Chase, are you old enough to remember that all cough syrup was cherry flavored? Huh, that's an interesting question. Because I, I can't remember. stand artificial cherry flavoring because it reminds uh, me of cough syrup. But this, this like generation, so my kids who are like 20 and 18, they can't stand anything grape flavored because they're all of their Advil and their Tylenol and cough syrups are all grape flavored. That's fascinating. You know, it's so funny. I'm the wrong person to ask this question because I have loved artificial grape flavoring for so long. That when I was a child, they had the Sesame Street toothpastes. Mm-hmm. I asked for the grape flavored Sesame Street toothpaste, okay. which I think I might be the only child to ever, ever do that. Uh, so I, I don't. Although, you know, I will say that uh, what I do remember from when I was a kid is my wife and I were actually just talking about this. Maybe you can tell me if this still exists or maybe Tim can since he has really young kids. I remember there was this medicine that you were given as a child. Uh I don't know for what, I mean, I assume it must've been a cold medicine, but it's for when you're really young and it comes in like a red bottle and it, you would be spoon fed it. And it had this very particular medicinal taste. I can only think of it as like the cod liver oil of my childhood. Okay. And we both remember it. It's real. I, I, you know, as far as I know, not some mandala effect thing. Okay. It would be the, it looked like almost like an old timey medicine bottle, but red with a label on it, obviously a pharmacy label. Okay. And it it just had this very, like, I can only describe it as the taste of medicine. Like to this day, if I were to taste it, I'd be like, that's what medicine tastes like. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, no. Cause I would, I would always, I always try my kids medicine just to kind of get a feel of how nasty it was. And it's so much better than it was when I was a kid. I mean, like you're yeah. basically drinking quinine, you know, anytime you had any kind of medicine, it was just horrid. <laughs> um, and they actually make it fairly palatable, but it's still medicine, you know? So yeah. they, you know, like the grape de- definitely had a better masking agent than the cherry did when I was a child or the orange chewable aspirins is another thing that we had. And that would be all grainy and weird when you, you know, how now chewables are really awesome. Like gummies, you know, for example, like are very palatable as a, as a vitamin or a medicinal product, but more, or a, an herbal quote, herbal supplement that you might be taking. But now I'm wondering if what that red bottle was the old style cherry cough syrup. And like, I am actually old enough to, cause like 
maybe it was supposed to be cherry flavored. Maybe, yeah, remember. exactly. That now you, I think you're right. Then then you you are old enough to have that because it was barely cherry. It was like the the essence of cherry, but that's about it. There's no sugar. <laughs> well, or and anything. I remember the orange chewable aspirins. That's the other thing where I'm like, okay, maybe I am just like yeah. just old enough to have experienced these. Yeah, just before the crossover occurred. But before the before the Tic Tac and the MySpace and the uh, and the and the, fa- and the Facebook all these things but no i i am proudly of another time whether uh, i can i can help that or not which i can't okay Uh, guys well that was awesome but now it's time to get serious all right and talk about the year behind and the year ahead we should start with the year behind right naturally such is the way of things. Um, how was the how was this year for everyone? How was twenty twenty one? When you think of it, when you think of twenty twenty one, just from a gut level. Yeah, I mean, like for me, like people always ask me how twenty twenty was, and I say, well, twenty twenty was an incredible year for me. You know, um, just in terms of, I was on multiple ballots. I mean, that just it was surreal. It was a kind of a a bizarre walk through life in a, in a strange cloud of interviews and newspaper articles and, you know, talking to, to a presidential candidate, <laughs> a constant basis, you know, where he was like, supporting him with his like, much higher out there position. And, um, and so 2021, I mean, I, I, I just took a big step back and just relax, you know, like I, and I wanted to kind of do more stuff but it was the burnout of 2020. I didn't realize how burned out I was until I walked through last year. And I just played a lot of golf and, you know, my wife is into pickleball. So like we're, I would probably get work in. We were just doing activities and um, helping my daughter in, in uh, college chemistry. I mean, there was just so many things that I just said, all right, I'm not doing anything else. I'm just going to relax and do these things that, don't have any large scale effect on anybody's lives, but I'm just, you know, I can do it without any kind of energy expenditure, you know, high level energy expenditure. So. Yeah. Uh, I played 633 games of horse by myself. Oh. Uh, and of course. <laughs> Is that uh, basketball? Well, it's a form of, I mean, I mean, that's I the one that's played that with a you, basketball and a hoop. If you're familiar with the rules of horse, then yeah, we could call it basketball. So, you know, all I right. played, played a lot of horse. Educate me. <laughs> so basically you get a letter, all right? You have this round orange ball that to the eye does look a lot like a basketball. We call it a horse knuckle, all right? When, you, when you're a professional, well, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm a semi-pro, but, you know, I like to think of myself as a professional. And a lot of people think it's a competitive sport, but it's not. It's actually timed. It's how fast can you get horse as an individual is actually how the game is played. And so that's why it really took off during the pandemic, because you could zoom in with other people and compete on times. There'd be someone taking bets in like the basement of a pizzeria in Queens to see, you know, what the odds are for Chase to get horse faster than, you know, Jurgen Habermas over in Germany or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> to, to give an actual answer um i do you know i don't know it's a year of mixed emotions i think 
in my own personal life, there's no way I have anything positive to say about 2020 or 2021 in the sense that I am dogged by a PhD and I just want to have a regular job and stop doing this and do li- literally just like get a job at McDonald's at this point and like start sweating. I don't, you don't want, want that. I do you don't want that. No. I don't, but that's the level of frustration that I'm experiencing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you're ruminating on at this point uh, in your in your. Yes, uh-huh. so that's negative. But I mean, we did get a full year of Biden fascism, which I've been in full support of. So in that sense, uh, I'm very happy. I do. I I don't know. I'm kind of the, here's the problem, Tim and, and uh, Amar, is <laughs> theoretically here right now. Uh, I think that I have kind of come to the position that it's not that. That, that we are cursed to live in a reality where it's not that the best or the worst outcome happens, it's that the stupidest outcome always happens. So like Biden wins the election, Trump says it's all fake, but nothing actually happened. You know what I mean? Like somehow it feels like whatever happens in our grander political lives, it's always the, it's never the cataclysmic outcome of the movie. It's never the angelic outcome of the other movie that wants to show you, you know, last minute salvation. It's always this kind of monotonous in between of things getting genuine, generally worse, but uh, not in such a way that yet affects my privileged uh, white North American self. So uh, looking forward to 2022. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I uh, heard they had some, was it forest fires in Colorado last week or, or like something bad? It has been, I haven't seen the sun in a week and a half. It has been cloudy in New Jersey for like a week and a half. Uh, it's just, it had barely been under 50 degrees since the beginning of 2022, which is insane for this time of year in New Jersey. Uh, it's just the stupidest outcome. It's just, everything is always the stupidest outcome. Gray 52 degree days for, for January and all this stuff. So I'm just going to go back to my horse and, uh, see if I can't maybe make the top 10, get involved with major league gaming, get some sponsorships and just try and take it from there. Tim. Oh man, you guys give me a lot to think about. Uh, very weird, very weird times. Very weird times here. Um, yeah, I wasn't even thinking on a personal level. Personal, I'd say it's. Uh, it's been really mixed. It's like the best of times, worst of times. Um, like if COVID hadn't happened, like COVID was the kick in the pants slash the time to be like bored and fake work enough in the corporate world enough to be like able to take a step back for a second. Because for the two years before COVID um, in the corporate gig i was working at that time i was on a plane every week for multiple nights and it was uh a shit show absolutely i mean just like never do that in retrospect i can say that right um but so if if covid hadn't happened i could easily still be putting all of my time and energy into that sort of corporate environment but instead i left it and we sold our house and moved to a smaller one across the street from 
my sister-in-law and her husband who are our age and also had a baby around like two months within two months of the time that we had uh theo and have just been leaning into a crazy hippie alternative urban agriculture weird gonzo catholicism solidarity politics uh lifestyle and um way of spending a lot of our time and it's been crazy it's been awesome bizarre um but at the same time it's been so rough to like try and be parenting during that time for the the all of the whiplash um the kids and you know our, so much of our family and our both taylor and my uh, parents live here within 10 minutes of each of us and you know we've had to go through stretches where we can't see them at all or we can only see them outdoors we can only see their masks or whatever and the kid i mean that it's just rough on all of us but on the kids especially uh, and the fact that we're still dealing with it um i've had some weird like deaths in the family uh it's just been weird it's been very weird and looking at 2022 and and yeah to your point chase like the weird and stupidest sort of outcomes right like i don't know i remember like the relief of i remember the relief of 2020 being over and then on january 6th like I, I'm I'm curious to as we sort of slide from the personal to the political. <laughs> um, isn't there isn't that a book? Isn't that some sort of reference? Anyway, um, the personal is the political is like one of the slogans of '60s radicalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. See, it was being a it was a it was a very funny thing to say. Um, very good reference. Um, it's good podcasting, good content creation doing really well it's happy it's 2022 i'm here we're doing a podcast i'm in the real world my name is tim i live at 905 chislet street that's what penny always says whenever she meets like anyone she's like hi my name is penny wainwright i live at 905 chislet street (laughs) (laughs) you want to come over to my house and play (laughs) like all right all right it's the same case she was gonna do like ventriloquized her brother and said she was going to kill the family mm-hmm. yeah that's that's yeah. you got to keep your eye on that one i mean that in like most positive sense possible <laughs> yeah. that's that's the that's the precocious one right there i mean it's a literal baby so <laughs> yeah. yeah they're precocious in different ways he's like he might be he's like a spectrum beautiful mind kid he's like uh, two years old but can like count to a hundred if he's singing along to the song and like count he's been able to count up to 20 forwards and backwards for like months i don't know he scares they both scare the shit out of me i sleep (laughs) with one eye open and a knife under my pillow just for self-defense um the yeah uh january 6th 
Spe- talking about sleeping with a knife under your pillow. Speaking of Biden fascism. Hey! <laughs> um, and we still need to do our live watch and deconstruction of that Tucker Carlson series, which I haven't heard anything about since that trailer dropped and broke the internet, um, which I have to believe means it's not like very good based on any, like even for like Tucker fans or Fox News brand people. Um, Maybe they forgot. Like, I mean, yeah, the broader it, news community, because because obviously one of the features of contemporary news cycle, even under Biden fascism, has been the, the extreme rapidity of, with which the whole thing moves. And so it wouldn't surprise me if, like, I don't know, between Betty White dying and, like, the horse championships and just all these different things, at some point you forget about the Tucker Carlson documentary. Because really all we wanted was the trailer. All we wanted was the condensed, tiny form, YouTube style, kind of TikTok length version of the thing. We didn't want the actual thing, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll leave it at that. I want to. I don't want to pontificate too much. So. No, not totally. Um, and I, I'm thinking about the the transition of the years in terms of like pivotal. I don't know. There's there's events. I marked the transition or I thought of the transition. Like if we'd been having this conversation a year ago, like end of 2020 transition to 2021, I like, I would have said like looking back the fact that, so let's begin where all roads lead in American politics, Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. He died, let's say on, you know, Let's assume for a second that that's true. Um, all my Epstein heads, y'all know what's up. Um, August 10th, 2019. There was, so there's a less than a year between Epstein's death and the full-blown COVID outbreak. And that's just crazy to me in thinking of like how warped and accelerated and like psychedelic our sense of time or at least my sense of time but everyone i speak to also says the same thing about like the last two years like our senses of time just being all sorts of messed up um whether it's from being inside all the time and and just like the cancellation and move around of so many traditional sort of things like i don't know um but that is crazy to me and then you get like, so the fact to me that we're on, on the one, like the year long anniversary of the whole, the January 6th thing at the Capitol, it seems like people call it the January 6th insurrection now in the news. But I sort of, I'm like, I have never, I never did the sort of, uh, DSA platform style deep dive enough to with that event to really understand to feel confident that I know exactly where to put the events of January 6th in my you know Swiss cheese brain mental filing cabinet but I know that you guys will ha- be able to help me sort of walk through this but the fact that we like began 2021 with that complete flaming garbage dumpster fire s show of an election and 
stopping the steal and counting the votes and the fact that we spent like a week not knowing who the president was going to be. That's at least how I remember it. And the fact that we are coming up on a full year of that event, like anniversary, I don't know. I just find that pretty interesting as a like a dividing line between these 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 two eras, not eras, years, twelve month periods. Guys, what do you think of that? Like, what what happened on that day? Like, what is that? Well, I mean, there's always the the fans of semantics that are like, well, it wasn't an insurrection; it was it was more a riot or it was a mob action. I go. Uh, to me, like you said, it, the, 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 the S show is, you could just full stop there. I mean, it's just a, a uh, you know, like they've been doing these hearings for who knows how long and really nothing has come of it as far as I know, because if it had, I'm pretty sure we all would have heard of, you know, the, cons- the co-conspirators and the, the organizers and who like names would have been named, right? Like, I don't know how that could have been bottled up. To one of those things that definitely would have gotten out there so they've been searching high and low to like make a connection to trump or or any of his his uh cadre of inner circle people um to be the organizers right it seems to me i mean like if you listen to these people that that would have been involved in the actual physical violence there like they're not all there when it comes to decision making in the moment you know so if things start going in a certain direction, it feels like the processing skills aren't there to go, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't get involved in this. You know, it's like, yeah, let's storm it. Let's go. You know, I'm not sure if you know, um, I'm not, do we, have we talked about the Leroy Jenkins meme kind of idea of gaming? You guys I, was, I was there playing World of Warcraft when Leroy Jenkins became a thing. I mean, I, I, Tim, are you familiar with Leroy Jenkins? No. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, it's such a classic thing. Of my, I, my daughter and I do it all the time. And my wife's like, what are you talking about? Why do you keep saying Leroy Jenkins? It's like whenever like, hey, let's just do it. Let's do it. You know, it's so yeah. if you if you've played those kind of games where you're in a group of people online and you're organizing a before an epic battle of some kind where there's going to be some strategic strategic kind of involvement from multiple layers of maybe mages casting spells and, and like, uh, you know, stealthy assassins going and taking care of something real quick before it, it awakens. There's like a group of people outside of a cave and they're planning, this is how we're going to destroy this like boss level, you know, set of dragons or something like that in this room. room. Full of dragon eggs. Yeah. Room full of dragon eggs. So you're going to go in there, you're going to cast this spell and actually Chase could probably explain it better because he would know all the spells and such, but I mean, the the end thing is while they're having this five minute roundtable discussion of what's going to go down, it's really like the leader of the group is explaining everything. This guy's like, that's it. F it. Leroy Jenkins. And he runs in his little you see his character run away and go into the cave. And he's like, wait, wait, what just happened? Did he go in? Oh, shit. Let's go. And then they all like start going in because like once someone goes in and the battle begins, like you have to go, I guess. It must be the way the game's engine runs. And it's chaos because none of the spells were cast. No one did any secret thing that they were supposed to do. So they're just getting massacred. 
Right. Yeah. But it's the classic, like, I'm just going in. It doesn't matter. F this. Forget planning or any kind of forethought. Well, it, I do. It does seem that on January 6th, maybe the version of the Leroy Jenkins scream event was that, uh, like, Viking uh, <laughs> right. cult. <laughs> The Viking shaman guy. guy casting a spell like it seems like that was probably the first the first step yeah i mean I, again i i'm with you i don't know the the, the q shaman guy. that was his name right yeah, the, the q, q shaman, shaman. Yeah. so like no matter what they had a they had a mage in the party at least <laughs> well actually a shaman is a separate class in world of warcraft yeah 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 yeah, oh. yeah yeah i shouldn't have said mage i should have, <laughs> I should have said magic user um they gotta Persons. support yeah they got a, a you know someone who can do the buff yeah Persons can do some magic. buffs mm. experiencing <laughs> yeah, bodies yeah. bodies yeah um, bodies in magical spaces <laughs> magical bodies in unmagical spaces that reminds me of a william blake quote <laughs> you just fill it in yeah um we're all magical bodies in magical spaces <laughs> that's literally carl jung and that's why i'm so mad about people liking carl jung all the time anyway that's oh really separate... oh yeah I'm we like... should do a that add that to our 10 episode arc list my my new thing is just like was well, that a new thing certainly i will get to january 6 in a second but briefly uh, I've long been like a pro Lacan Freud guy. Like if we're talking psychoanalysis and its relationship to Christianity, like them's the good ones in, in terms of the big three, the big three famous figures, right? Lacan, Freud, and Jung. Jung is the bad one. Uh, but of course, the vast, vast majority of Christians disagree with me because whether it's Jordan Peterson or David Bentley Hart fans, in other words, whether it's sort of like intolerable liberals or intolerable conservatives, either way, they love Jung and there are reasons for that that I've thought hmm. a lot about. We could talk about, but January sixth. Uh... Well, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Because this might be helpful, actually. Can you give like a th- three bullet, twelve bullet, <laughs> like summary of those three and what the differences are and why you come out the way you do? Because I think that would be a helpful. Uh helpful uh, hermeneutic lens you know it'll be a nice it'll be a jeweler's uh, what are those things called oh, um, a troop a jeweler's jeweler's uh jewel there's an even it's the name is even stupider than that it's like a look or something it's it's loof a jeweler's loofah that <laughs> we'll use to exfoliate the many layers of grime of grime obscuring our eyes from seeing the truth. Uh, wake up, sheeple! It's mm-hmm. it's it's. Was it buckle up, bucko? It's time for a time for a truth jam, uh, truth slam, perhaps. Is that something but, Leroy, Leroy Jenkins said? No, he he just screams Leroy Jenkins. Then whenever one dies at the end, he says, "At least I have chicken," because uh, they're yelling at him for obviously wiping the entire party. Anyway. So Freud, obviously, is your first guy, most famous, most people think of him for having to do with uh, sex, right? The Oedipus complex, the electric complex, all these things. I think more fundamental to Freud is just the discovery or let's say the rediscovery of the idea that there are desires in human beings that exceed uh, their stated desires. 
and that those desires often make us do things or make us act in ways that are not consonant with our stated beliefs or our stated desires, right? This is straight out of St. Paul for all the Christians listening. That, you know, I think it's, was it Romans? That I do what I don't want to do. It's the sin in me that makes me, uh, you know, act in X way, even though I want to act in Y way. I want to be holy, but I keep doing all these bad things. Very similar to things that Augustine says in Confessions about, you know, sort of, yeah, all these things. Uh, and those are, you know, those the, those are, he places those in a place called the unconscious, right? Which is not the same thing as the subconscious, which is the more like idiomatic term people use, but the unconscious is more like your, your unknown knowns. You know, it's, it's, it's all these things that actually drive you, but you're not aware of the fact that they're driving you. And part of the process of psychotherapy is, is, is basically reintegrating some of that understanding, but, you know, uh, learning to live with uh, what it is that's driving you and, and forming that in ways that are helpful to you or uh, do away with the symptoms that are causing you trouble as a result of those inconsistencies in your unconscious, whatever. A lot of, and a lot of times those things are things that you grew up with, right? Like some kind of trauma or childhood experience or, or even like, you know, early infant experience of things that happened to you. Yeah. Do any of them disagree about the role or importance of like the first three years of life? It's interesting you say that because I, I Lacan is really- I always like to hear that. <laughs> oh, Chase, I like you. Come back next week. <laughs> Welcome back. You can come on the show next week if you want. Uh, but- yeah, if you're to the DSA, we'll be talking about <laughs> some of their beliefs. I believe, I believe they're having a convention in seven months, so <laughs> time to gear up. The DSA uh, actually also believes in the importance of the first three, uh, three years of life. Um, <laughs> but so, I mean, Lacan is really the one most famously, he writes this essay on the mirror stage uh, that kind of, as far as I know, kind of re-inflects the role of early childhood development in psychoanalysis. Now, let's be clear, we're erasing a lot of less famous people. I mean, there have been psychoanalytic practitioners since Freud. So you're talking about a hundred years worth if we're counting up to today, actually a little more than a hundred years worth if you're counting up to today. So we're just talking these big three. I don't know. Here's the thing about Jung. My understanding, and I'm not, going to claim that this is 100% uh, that, it, that it knows every nook and cranny of, of Jung's work, because I'm much more familiar with the ways in which Jung's ideas begin to colonize literary theory and like broader notions of meaning through people like Jordan Peterson. Dude, right? have you heard of The Hero's Journey, though? Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, I have. That was a joke. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. Yes, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, because, because I think most people have it, but they like know the ideas. Like if you go on Reddit, you know what I mean? It's sort of like someone's going to bring up Joseph Campbell without bringing up Joseph Campbell to explain to you why Legally Blonde is like a bad movie and why like, <laughs> blood sport is a good uh... movie. You know what I mean? So my understanding, and Jung and Freud very famously have a falling out because uh, Jung is a student of Freud's. And they have a falling out because frankly, it seems to me like Jung kind of goes down the like new age rabbit hole basically like Freud very much thinks of himself as a medical doctor. Freud is a trained psychiatrist, or I think he's actually a neurologist, excuse me. Like he thinks of himself as a, as he's doing medicine. He's not doing anything weird. He is, what he's doing is empirical. It's based on case studies. It's based on talking to people. Jung takes things in a much more, let's say symbolic direction. It becomes more interested in the like archetypes of experience that people have 
and the ways that those archetypes interact, which for Freud is a little bit insane because there's no material evidence of an archetype. Like an archetype is just a, a thing he's making up. It, it has no basis in like therapy. It has no basis in the talking cure that Freud is interested in. In, 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 in I don't want to say inflicting on people because it sounds negative, but in you know making available to them, right? And I think that's actually to sum all this up. To stop doing these bullet points, that's actually the Fisher right there. Is that if you're me, you're interested in the stuff I started with. Why do people do things they don't mean to do? What is the relationship between desire and objects of desire? The things that we state we want, but don't actually seem to want. Or the things that we say we don't want, but ineluctably seem pulled towards. I mean, that would seem to be sin itself, right? I, I mean, famously, Lacan says that his entire theory of language can be found in Augustine. There's also an amazing uh, Lacan seminar where he takes that verse from Romans and replaces the word sin with id, which is, of course, one of the three uh, you know, principles of the psyche, basically, in, in psychoanalytic discourse. So people who are interested, I guess you could say, in, I'd almost say like ethics or, or, or sort of understanding the human mind in a Christian framework, for me, are going to be drawn towards uh, that branch of psychoanalysis. Also, Lacan's brother, a monk. It's a very interesting interview with his brother, who's a Benedictine monk, uh, trained by Thomas. It's like just very saturated with a certain kind of French Catholicism of a, of a certain point in history. I feel like, and very explicitly, I mean, he writes a, well, he, there's a collection of his called The Triumph of Religion, where he says that the Roman Catholic Church is the only true religion, even though he's, as far as I know, an atheist. Like, it's just, there, there's so much there that people ignore because it's considered- it's Such a certain of, type of guy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. My favorite. Yeah. But then on the young side, it's more like people who, I'm just gonna put this in the meanest way possible, seem to only care about religion in terms of social utility. That like, at the end of the day, the point is, how do we get people believing again? Well, it's because religion isn't giving their lives meaning and they need meaning. And how do we get meaning? Well, we do meaning by talking about meaning and how things mean things and we can give meaning. Like, and it's just, it's this kind of Robert Putnam bowling alone, Religion is a social phenomenon that gives utility. And like, that's not untrue, but that's not what religion is about. And I don't really care. Like it, it might be true. And I, you know, I hope it does give people meaning, but at the end of the day, that's for me, a losing battle. That's, that's fighting modernity or whatever on its own terms. And I, I just, I also just don't like, if we're right about modernity, you're not going to be able to just re-enchant it by reading Jung and Jordan Peterson and David Bentley Hart. So uh, for me, it's really a division about, are you concerned about like religion as a personal experience of desire and ecstasis and determining how to live as a human subject? Why am I so confused? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so scared? Or do you want to talk about the hero's journey and like integrating your dragon archetype into your like Enneagram, into your Myers-Briggs and like how all of that's going to reclaim religion and make it a social phenomenon again. And I'm obviously being over the top on purpose, but I do think those are basically the battle lines and wow. I'm very much on one side of them. So Tim, that actually kind of brought it full circle in that conversation I had with before Chase jumped on. And I've been often asked Chase, like by friends, uh, often coworkers or, you know, friends that I play softball with or something like that. It's like, yeah, I just don't understand. Like, you seem like a really smart guy. Why, why are you religious? Right. That question will inevitably come up if I get close enough to someone and I'll say, well, <laughs> I put it kind of tersely, but I kind of do put it this way. If I know the person well enough, I'll say, well, what I don't understand is like how you can go through life 
only living like half a life. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they, they, they ha- I live the same life that you live in the context that we live together in sense of, you know, we go to work and we have a family and you, you know, have an extended family and you go through like your public experience of being an American or whatever. Like I have that full experience with you. We share that, right? But in addition to that, I have another entire half of my existence that is on a different plane, obviously funneled through a religious experience, but there's a faith experience. And I don't understand how you have a quality of life that you deem appropriate when you're missing an entire section, which I believe is the higher end of my quality of life, right? Like it's the, it's the Uber part of my, my personality and existence. And I think you're, you know, this, this fascination people have with like um, game of Thrones and things like that, or, or even the Lord of the Rings, you know uh, like, why are those things, Harry Potter, like why are those things so popular is because they don't have, that portion of their life where I, I look at that and go, yeah, that's kind of fun, but people get obsessed with it. Like, you know, I, I have people who I know that essentially Harry Potter is their religion or Game of Thrones is their religion, you know, and not in like a, you know, in a real way, but in a way that kind of substitutes for that experience, that other level experience of, wow, what if, well, you don't have to, what if it does exist. It's just not like that. Yeah. Well, and I, the funny thing is that I, this comes back to Lacan and Freud. The, the fundamental point is that desire is unfulfilled. That is the sort of fundamental point of non-Jungian. Again, I'm really just kicking Jung in the nuts over and over again here, but like non-Jungian psychoanalysis. The like the object of desire is is never going to actually satisfy desire. Desire exceeds that. And that's why any any fandom or thing like that is never going to actually satisfy whatever that need is and frankly neither is is god not in the not in your the way you exist in this moment anyway like you're not you know you're still going to desire there's still going to be excess it's not there's still going to be questions um and i i think that's part of why we as a society maybe um i think most people recognize that that's not enough they just it's it's a it's a painful thing to have to integrate into your existence that the thing that like you've devoted yourself to that you're spending all day on the forums for or whatever that you've devoted your life to is not enough uh and that's certainly true of harry potter i think that might even be part of the reason why uh not to bring us back to gender but i mean jk rowling has really been getting a lot of trouble for her uh trans exclusive radical feminist views about womanhood or whatever and like i mean part of that is just because that's a very uh popular conversation or you know like it's it's a sticking point for today part of it's it is, the think, real new atheism is being a trans exclusive radical feminist of like actually turfing and sjw's that's very at this point to me that's very like pre-2016 yeah yeah no it just it's just the British and it's in its zenith yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like everything the, europe is behind it, it, is, it really is <laughs> It, no, but it is interesting, actually. I was thinking about this, like why it is that the fight about, I mean, I don't want to get too off track here, but why the fight about- Yeah, I'm uh, expecting you to leave this back to January 6th, just, okay, I'll, just I'll so all right our now. cars are on the table. Not, you don't have a time limit to do that. Well, no, actually, do it. like it has I'm to be ready, by 8.30 right a.m., but- 
Well, the point is, <laughs> uh, I, so covering my steps here, first, it's interesting that there's a trans theory is sort of a bigger issue or a bigger public question in Britain than it is here. Second of all, I think that part of the reason people get so mad at J.K. Rowling is because there are a lot of people for whom her universe is this kind of like place you can inhabit and, and disappear into yourself because the world is so crappy. And so you try and align that as fully as possible with your desire. But the other great tenet of psychoanalysis is that the thing you state that you desire is not what you actually desire. It never is. Uh, you're, you're always desiring something else. It, the, the thing is standing in for something else. Uh, the, the food you want is the pleasure of eating or the, you know, the ball you want to throw around is the memory of throwing the ball when you were a child with your father, right? Like it's never just that. And so Harry Potter uh, is, is that for a lot of people. And so when the, Lady who wrote it comes out and is like, well, you need to have yourself a... <laughs> Sorry, Tim, I can't do this to you right now. I can't do it to Mr. Mr. England over here. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I need to... I need this. If, uh, he wants to compete on a swim team, on the women's swim team. You can't have... <laughs> you can't have yourself, <laughs> oh, I'm muting uh, myself. Keep going. <laughs> so anyway, uh, how does this relate to January 6th? Well, it relates to January 6th because... When I'll tell a little personal story, I'll, I'll own myself to get us there. When QAnon first started as a thing, I would get mad when people called it a religion to some degree, because I was afraid that that was going to devalue it in the public discourse. And kind Don't of you think it is like a religion with its own rites and liturgies? Uh, I'm just kidding. That was another. Thing. That was another <laughs> no, thing. I know. I know. No. It, no, it's fine. It's just in this case, it, it's actually like the problem is that that turned out to be right. Oof. Like, I know that the point is it's banal, it's always right. But, but like, when, when it first happened, I was afraid that what Amar just described was going to happen with QAnon, where, like, he, his friends find out he's religious, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that you were mentally defective. Like, I was afraid that that was going to be another way to treat this phenomenon as something unimportant, devaluable, faith-based, for lack of a better way, way of talking about it. Just, like, something that you could write off for, for those crazy loons and not have to worry about. But I turned out to be kind of wrong because that isn't what happened. Uh, and the more people look into it, the more it does seem to be understandable as, you know, we can avoid using the word religion to avoid falling into the meme, but something like a, a quasi cult or something like this. And that has to do with senses of meaning, senses of esoteric understanding, right? This almost kind of Gnostic, like I watched the YouTube video. Now I know the nature of reality and the nature of reality is cheese pizza. You know, and, and to be fair, that's not entirely wrong. <laughs> it's just that uh, it gets taken in this insane direction, speaking of Epstein. So I think that the problem is really that the QAnon people are Jungians. And if we could just make them Lacanians, then uh, we wouldn't have had January 6th. So that's that's my, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. But yeah, I do think that's the January 6th tie in there. Did you see the article about the like three cases from January 6th that ran in, I don't know if it was New York Magazine or where it ran. It's pretty recent. Maybe it was New York Times. Legal cases or COVID cases? Well, it's just, it's three people, I think. One of whom is dead. One of whom is in jail. And one of whom got out of jail after being thrown in jail. And it kind of just follows the different types of 
you know, it, it tries to humanize the, the rioters, which I actually thought was quite interesting and not what I was expecting from the New York Times, like at all. Oh, that one sounds got, good. Send of, a send a link. I'd like to read that. Sure. Um, I was say one of them got turned in by their own son to the feds. So, ah, uh, see that that's the sort of stuff that I I love. We're just a bunch of gumshoes here. Um, being being a gumshoe, being a, a, a citizen sleuth. That's that's one of I think the most psychologically healthy responses you can have to observing current events. We are not looking at Gabby as she walks to work. She does not need to be anxious. No one saw her. She, okay. She faked putting a gun to her head and smiled at me. So whatever. <laughs> she can't hear anything you're saying. So. Oh no. Oh <laughs> no. Because she, she walked past that. your. Is that how she feels about you podcasting? That's probably also true. Yes, but. Uh, oh man. No, that's called being an anxiety-riddled Zoomer wife. Oh. Oh. We're the, we we support Amar and Tim, we official. They support you, they say. That's right. Like I was, so I was looking back in in prep for this at like Wikipedia's page of first time listeners. Um, you might not know that I I take a, a bold stand of thinking Wikipedia is about the most reliable source you can get unless you're going to spend a couple of days like really researching something. So I say cite Wikipedia, cite it, baby. Now, Amar, that's probably the thing we disagree most about. Chase, I don't know how, where he stands on it, but I was looking at a Wikipedia page. Be like, all right, what happened in the last year? Major events. And I, I, I remember some predictions from like some folks that like 2021 Biden would would represent a sort of turning of the pressure release valve a little bit because everything had been so heightened and so tense for the whole Donald Trump term and that people like even even that like if our our, our society such as it is right like our our political whatever we have right now is going to continue its descent that like the first term of the Biden administration or at least the first couple of years of it would be more of a collective like pause you know a ceasefire let's say rather than a peace accord and I'm trying to get a sense now of whether I think that was correct um I think my gut in terms of how angry I get the sense that people have been about politics for the last year, it seems, it seems like we're the release valve has turned a little bit. It seems like people are less like constantly insane or like constantly worked into a fever pitch, but that's just my, that's just my first sort of gut take on it you know it's like the pauline kale well i don't know anyone who voted for nixon sort of deal what do you do you guys get that same sense what do you think about that like uh, politically first year of biden well i'll just say that i think it's true that the every moment fever pitch thing you're talking about has reduced but i do think that the brain damage is permanent 
like I don't I don't think there's coming back from it like it might be the case that you no longer have like 46 year old guys who work in investment bank in New York who watch MSNBC every single moment that they're not you know drinking whiskey or tending to their like you know their uh, their their investments that's probably true but yeah i've seen too many there are too many cases of people both normal people and i'm talking about famous people here just clearly going in a totally different direction and and they're being very i mean it would be literally a miracle to kind of pull them back from whatever has happened to them. And I think, and I want to be clear, I mean that on the liberal side and the conservative side, like Russiagate, the idea that as many people promoted Russiagate as did in, in the way that they did, I mean, that, that's QAnon for libs, in my opinion. And uh, it's done just as much to the brains of the people who believed it. And, and Oh, gosh, yeah. A retrospective. Now's the perfect time for a Werner Herzog documentary about Mueller and Comey. I was actually thinking that we should try and get Comey on the podcast. You know, because he's the Galen Maxwell prosecutor. I know. That's why I was thinking about him. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I've been catching up on that a little bit. But anyway, yeah, I didn't mean to jump in. Keep going, keep going. No, I, I hand it off. I mean, that's my. Amar, Amar, get in here. Get in the mix here. Yeah, so I mean, like Amar, your response to Chase's thoughts, please. So, so you know, in the conversation with normal people, uh, I just had this conversation yesterday in my front yard when I was shoveling snow. Uh, so, a guy on the, the other side of the we have like a U-shaped uh, cul-de-sac. Uh, I don't even know what you'd call a little neighborhood, you know, where, where there's just two entry points, but they don't go across, right? So there's two streets that are connected with a, a street of a U-street, okay? Anyway, so he drives by. I don't see him too often, but, you know, he's on the other block. But he, we used to hang out. And we, in the summer, we'll get together and have barbecues and such. But anyway, so he stops and oh, hey, Amar, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. So we're talking and you know, how are things going or whatever and i said you know like we need to get back together like the this the neighborhood used to be very uh more cohesive you know before covid um and so covid hit us and then plus one of the people that was kind of the main organizers left moved away okay and i said you know uh one of the reasons i ran for office and he he knew about that um was that I, I believe that the the fracturing in the, in the brain damaged left and right, you know, um, uh, kind of split that we have in our political discourse, right, is is based on like two underlying fundamental. This is my belief, right, that that if you, you know, and I, I see this all the time, like talking to people. Where, for example, like if you have, I call it like the liberalism, the free, the freedom of my body versus the freedom of my money, right? Like that's the the left and the rights, like that's their go-to. That's what they will, that's the hills that they will die on. And so, for example, if somehow, you know, either um, the new right or the ASP or whatever was able to get into kind of left economics, with kind of a social conservative um, language. And like, we kind of basically stole left economics. Like we had Bernie's that were as, as high profile as Bernie, but that were pro-life, right? And pro like uh, religious freedom or whatever, that the left would abandon left economics as like the quote left, right? Obviously it's still left, it still is left economics, but they would be like, yeah, that's not something we're interested in because we, 
we are all about freedom of body, right? First, and like that will now be the evil, right? Like, oh, they want to help the poor. Now it wouldn't be overnight, right? But these things, these issues can evolve differently. And so the the next generation of of uh, the progressives or whatever would abandon that. And same thing with uh, with uh, the the the, uh, the Republican or the right, if you had lefties becoming pro-life, they would abandon pro-life like a hot potato if it wasn't meeting their goal of collecting capital, right? Like they wouldn't have people there. Republican senators wouldn't be like, I'm like in their byline, put pro-life in there, whatever that is worth, right? They never talk about it, but like they got to put it in their little thing because that's a checkbox that a lot of voters will have. And they would abandon that sure as shit if, if uh, people, if they, if they lost that population. Right to the other side, and I was explaining this uh, to, to my friend. He's like, he was nodding, he was agreeing, and I said, "But when it comes down to it, at the community level, it, none, none of that stuff matters. Like, it, all that matters is when something goes down at your house, do I have your back, you know, or do you have my back? Like, I, I, I got you, you know. Like, if I don't care what your political beliefs are, like, we don't have that notion anymore, and that's the brain damage I believe has encompassed us, is because." In reality, you can talk about these things. I think the social media has, you know, opened the floodgates for this like outside your own experience discussion and this kind of anger and vitriol you have towards people that don't matter to you. Whereas the people that do matter to you, you have no connection to anymore. That's like the ultimate brain damage of our current state. Yeah, yeah. I like I think I think getting um religious people to to take what you just said as the as the uh, gateway drug for getting them to think more materially about economics and economic distribution and like capital and these sorts of issues not that they're ever going to use that language but just like hey you know what like do you want your boss to be in charge of your healthcare, you know, that sort of stuff is, I think, something worth investing my time in doing. And in, and in a similarly from a quote unquote, like left perspective is in showing, is in, uh, you know, offering a, like a full-throated sort of champion championing championship champ you know support uh that's like the uh, elmer fudd sort of champion support for um um you know these basic table stakes sort of issues like you know the i think of the dsa like for all the time we've spent really going line by line for their platform they are pretty pretty good about like they talk they only talk all the time about Medicare for all, a Green New Deal, and like maybe a couple other things, none of which are are quote unquote culture or quote, a quote unquote like social issues as like the American political lexicon, the New York Times style guide would define them. And that's good. Like we've, as we've all said, like multiple times, that is a, that's a good thing. And uh, I get the sense uh, that a lot of people in the wake of the complete failure and stab of just like how the Bernie movement got absolutely shanked uh, 
um, as a, you know, it's somewhat the end of the oomph, the end of the oomph of the Bernie-ish movement of the last two years. And I mean, trying to make, being open to making common cause with people who, you know, if you got into the weeds about some of the, the more abstract uh, or less material issues, you'd probably hate each other. But if it, not even like a consciously advertised like truce or compromise, you know, like not on a front page of a website that's like, we may, you know, you've got the polyamorous uh, group that are like, you know, smelly and covered in tattoos, standing next to, you know, some solid American farmers and say like, we may disagree about something, you know, blah, 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 blah. But like, almost that they were so, just spent so much time talking about things like, hey, why is there lead in all of the water? And like, why doesn't anyone talk about? And like, why aren't the pipes being replaced? Or like, why are we like burning through our freshwater aquifers? Like, so that we can't even get enough like shitty corn into the like grocery stores. And like, why was it, did I have to use an ice scraper in San Francisco last week? And then when I got off the plane, it was like 62 degrees in Washington, DC in the first week of January. And like, I, I think just that being so focused on those things will naturally create that sort of compromise or that sort of place for people to coexist in that way, if you will. Um, and again, not going to work, not going to happen. Everything is just going to get worse for the rest of our lives. That's my expectation. The most important thing you can spend your time doing is becoming as socially acceptable of a prepper as you can be in your local community. Um, and then whatever you do politically is a hobby, right? But as far as hobbies go, you could spend worse time politically than in investing to try and make something like that, like that happen. Hot take over here. Um, I, I, I take. feel that the final caveat there was intended for me to not do what I'm about to do, which is attempt to drop the black pill into the remaining fresh water that's that's pooled at the edges of this conversation. Okay. Drop because, it, baby. That's what dude, that's why you're here. Because we we've always already been brain damaged. Like it like I agree with you that polarization is a well, let me phrase this properly. Polarization is a problem, but it is very since much at least uh the debate about essences what like about Occam isn't that uh, yeah it's, the, it's actually, that, that's canon right that's weaver canon there's the, there's this thing called nominalism <laughs> and ever since then liberals have not been able to shut up about gay marriage but you know here's the thing though seriously that like we the polarization is just a manifestation or the making vocal of something that's been there for a very long time that has come about because of a particular relationship to these ideas. But the relation, or, or let's say a particular way of stating the relationship to these ideas, but that relationship has been there for a, a long time. And I, I think that in a way, the problem is that we're always a generation behind. 
So for example, I did a bunch of research in this. I wrote a piece, uh, if you're listening, editor who still has the piece, that's, that's fine. <laughs> Eventually, hopefully it will be published. I think I uh, mentioned this once before on this podcast. It's about the religious right and where it comes from and how it became so successful and, and how it organized. I mean, that's the word I would use. How can you organized. name drop the publication and the editor so our, our horde of <laughs> fans can cry believe. havoc Please do not and believe. let loose the tweets of war? <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll see it when it comes out. So that will be the, uh, then you can, you can ex post facto bully him uh, if you want, but no. Um, I think the point is, if you, if you read into that, it's that it's not as simple as that, like they showed up at the churches and were like, all you care about is abortion now. All you care about is abortion now. All you care, you know, it's that they created these long working organizations that took the dispositions these people already had and slowly molded them, made them less indefinite, basically. So, you know, maybe an evangelical in the 70s would have been like, well, or early 70s, let's say, would have said, well, I don't really like abortion. Uh, I don't really have political opinions, except that I don't like paying taxes. I like being able to have my macaroni. And uh, I enjoy taking a ride on so i don't really like all this here rock and roll but you know i like glenn campbell whatever right and it over years going to conferences having pastors who would go away to these retreats and come back with ideas that would be you know announced at the churches allowing nonprofit groups to like hand out voter information outside the churches slowly took those unformed opinions and turned them into the like mindless foot soldiers that you see today and that's how the religious right came to be right um and QAnon is kind of another example of that a lot of these people did not have particularly well-formulated political opinions they went online they saw pictures of jeffrey epstein's lizard tail you know choking liz cheney to death and they realized like oh it's actually all aliens right like that's it it's child porn- pornography and aliens chris hansen was right and the problem is that anyone, with all due respect to uh, Amar, but probably who's older than, than you, Amar, I think has already been um, interpolated in this way. They've already, they, their, their views have already had this happen in one way or another, simply because of the times in which we live. So the- Amar is the, um, who's the prostitute woman in the walled city of Jericho? Rahab? Yeah, Rahab, yeah. Amar is the Rahab of his generation. uh because it he like it's like if there was just one in the city you know what i'm saying some of them would be spared and it's because uh he's just a good guy you know what i'm saying amar has (laughs) the most pure dudes rock energy of anyone i've met from any generation and (laughs) that that is keeping are you familiar with dudes rock energy I don't know. It's a great meme. It's a great meme. You got to research the dude's rock meme. Uh, Chase. Official dude's rocking. uh, um, Endowed, uh, endowed Marjorie Taylor Greene chair of memetics and symbology at the Solidarity Policy Center. Chase Bedusniak. Um, Can you, thanks for joining us today. Can you please explain to our listeners what uh, this phenomenon is? Um, called Dudes Rock is? It's when a male-identified person rocks. It's, 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 when, it's when the world is burning down 
and you just your wife says you got to come home you got to take care of the kids uh you know billy's throwing up again because he ate another tide pod because of the tide pod challenge and you just throw a burger on the grill you put your oakley's on and you say i'll be there in a minute and then you eat you know then you make hamburgers for your family that's that's pretty much it you have fun you put on jimmy buffett maybe <laughs> okay but also unironically if you're putting your sociologists oh, if you're uh, if you're if you're uh, it's a jeweler's loop that's loop, what it is that's loop it's Thank a you. loop i was like it's something so stupid it's like it's it's it feels like it should have its own fancy french word and then it's yeah. just loop yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. lufa was close but yeah, that was, yeah. That was very close. i think jewelers need lufas and loops but put on your jeweler's loop and get real close in that meme and tell us what it is because it's uh, worth spending exactly 90 seconds on um, are you familiar with the grill pill well, I, I just looked up Dude's Rock, so I've got a, a paragraph if you want to read it that, that kind of <laughs> I, it blows my mind that, that someone had to write this down because it's pretty awesome. Citizen symbologist Amar Patel, <laughs> um, please. Doing a TikTok. Dude's Rock is not about self-improvement or climbing the ranks of the CrossFit ladder ropes in your communities. No, Dude's Rock is about dudes being awesome just the way they are. Dude's Rock doesn't say all Dude's Rock but that all dudes had the capacity to rock. By loving themselves, by not trying to chase the fleeting satisfaction of impressing others or being anything other than you are. That's the paragraph on the, the dudes rock kind of meme explanation site here. That's a better job than I could have done. I mean, I was just hmm. going to say, it's like, while the world is burning, you just, you put on your sunglasses, you have your burger, you drink your beer, you talk about, you know, as I heard yesterday in the gym in the morning, you know what the guy asked he was like did the did the packers win yesterday and the guy was like what he's like did the packers win and he's like uh yeah but i can't stay up that late anymore haha ha. and the other guy's like me neither like, that was two <laughs> dudes rocking at the gym for that yeah moment. yeah yeah uh yeah dudes rocking is when good guy gregs get together in in small groups or more is that yeah. fair yeah okay uh yeah anyway i'm i'm saying nice things about amar um the, it's 8.45. You guys both have important business meetings uh, with shadowy Eastern European registered and unregistered lobbyists at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Um, in Amar's case, hours, uh, they're yeah. all <laughs> minors. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, Amar's a teacher, first-time listeners. That's just a little joke, a little bit of the alleged uh, Wainwright humor. I'll do apologies. Um, I, I enjoy preemptively canceling myself or anything that's a gray area. All I can say is that I was wrong. I apologize. And I'm going to do a lot more listening in the future. Um, in the last 15 minutes, though, I would like to look ahead. Okay. Let's exchange our loops for some binoculars and see what's on the horizon. Um, I though am going to do a quick retrospective of some of the some of just the just um just a quick uh, wrapping up the highlights though to to frame our discussion uh some things we've we've forgotten you know what i mean the young pope what have we forgotten um in 2021 perfect i think microcosm metaphor for what our you know 
House of Cards, failing, you know, death of Stalin sort of political system is able to accomplish right now. Again, going back to the January 6th riots in, or whatever, uh, February, January, February, 2021, the United States Senate's, Senate votes by unanimous consent to award United States Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman the Congressional Gold Medal for keeping rioters away from the Senate chamber during the storming of the U.S. Capitol. And I think that it, just like uh, declaring a day, a certain person day, or naming a post office, or, um, you know, uh, expressing the House's uh, support or unsupport for the state of Israel. The, the, these are the sorts of things we can do, and they're so impotent. Um, I just think that's a particularly, like, as far as I know, in terms of the Wikipedia bullet points, uh, as a response to what happened almost a year ago, that's uh, what our representatives were able to uh, to vote on and get passed. Um, real quick, don't forget, boom, the last minute rescue by American heroes of the dark terrorist plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> um, the rise and demise from COVID, from lovable Italian COVID hero to me too scum the end of the career of Monsieur Como. Um, we had Matt Gatesgate. We I'm had, yeah. yeah, we had the Department of Energy launching, this will probably be a little bit more serious here, Perlmutter, the world's fastest AI specialized supercomputer with four exaflops of performance, a new, uh, a new metric that I was not familiar with, the exaflop. Um, Gonna be blowing that up allegedly. Yeah, Eric Swalwell did more stupid stuff, and as we, as probably none of you guys know, I have very personal beef with Eric Swalwell. Um, if you're listening, Eric, your time is coming. You won't know where, you won't know when, but you are a piece of shit, and you're gonna get what's coming to you. Um, and remember uh, Afghanistan. That also was a thing that happened in 2021. We're apparently not there anymore, at least on paper. Uh, you know, haven't seen any follow-up in months about whether or not Malala was just on winter break or if that winter break is going to be permanent. You know what I'm saying? She's writing a newsletter now. I got a is she on Substack? I, I think it might be a Substack because she, she, I got one of those sponsored ads and it was her being like, cyclone is my new way to you know keep in touch with you about what's going on in my life so yeah uh amar last last retrospective there i issued a personal um challenge to a duel to rep eric swalwell for extremely personal reasons that i most likely will not be saying publicly at least until next week um and we recalled that uh Operation Allies Refuge, the whole shit show of Afghanistan happened in 2021, which we were right in terms of our predictive power and whether or not what we say about 2022 is going to be any good. 
we were so on the money about exactly how long we'd be talking about the end of America's longest war in our popular discourse. We were exactly right because we pegged it at about two weeks. And I think that's what it was. So guys, what's going to happen in the next year? Let's turn to our special correspondents, um, Robert Novak uh, Jr. Fellows and endowed assistant fellowship holders of um, alternative storytelling and investigative uh, investigative flyover state representing uh, co-sponsored by the 1776 commission Amar Patel Chase Bedusniak. Uh please give it what are the Peter Thiel prediction markets telling us about what's going to happen in 2022 Certainly invest in horse futures. Talking about oh, game. come on, come on. It's all right, it's all right. You're warming up. You're warming up as a good warm up. Let's keep going. No basketball talk. I, I think the, the year and the next two election cycles, I think it is ripe for, uh, for a name drop, uh, like a Pastor Chris Butler kind of um, campaigns, right? These, these campaigns of people that that, uh, you know, if there was money to be had, I mean, it can't be as organized as what the squad did with their, with their big level um, investment in putting a bunch of like progressives into, into the, uh, the house, but, but like the kind of level-headed, basically saying, why are we so brain damaged? We need to talk in a space that we're not brain damaged maybe leave out the hot button issues but say you know these are the the things the kind of the common sense um family friends faith kind of uh collection of of topics right that people that resonate with people and you could have breakthroughs in those kind of purple communities right where it's not so overwhelmingly red or blue that 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 middle space you can win a primary and then all of a sudden, because of how numbers break down, you're just going to win the election. Right. And, and I think that's, it's ripe for that kind of thing where, um, you know, we talk about in the ASP strategy wise, but like there's no ASP space just because of money. I mean, like it just comes down to people like, to, Oh, well, what if, what if there's no, what if in American politics without money. Right. But in the two main parties, there is a lot of what ifs about, a breakthrough primary that automatically wins a seat because the other party is not relevant in that district. Um, and I think that's what I mean, Bobby Rush just quit the race. So that like opens a door, right? And like those kind of unseen things, if you can saturate a market, because I think people, as you said, like, is there no coming back as Chase said, you know, in my own thesis, I've said that liberalism allows no comeback. It's just a suction down a vortex because that's the mindset of, that's what you get with that mindset. So unless you replace that as the overwhelming underlying mindset that people have in this country, which we're not even close to, and on both sides and the left and the right, um, you can't stop that, that uh, swish down the toilet hole, right? But in terms of local things and, and creating a movement that could upend it, I can see that happening because so many people I know specifically when politics come up, just like shake their heads. 
Right. So again, there's people keep saying, well, 80 million people voted for Biden. Uh, no, about 40 million people voted against Trump. And that's a much better way of phrasing that thing is that, yeah, you probably had like your your stalwarts on both sides. But then that swing vote is so massive now. And I think the um, you know, one of the things that I pointed out to people is, you know, Biden lost in almost every category, except he won in white males by a lot, you know. And what that tells me is that white males, yeah, Democratic white males are very sexist because they wouldn't vote for Hillary. They did not come out for her, but they did come out for Biden because they were sick of Trump's shit show, you know. Um, so they sat at home and watched her burn, but they did vote for Sleepy Joe. It's like that was probably the biggest evidence we can take out of that uh, um, election. So the prediction there is that uh, there are going to be openings, cracks through which infiltrators may enter. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the cracks, because of how primaries can get uh, you know, out of hand and split so many ways, um, and it's ripe for it, right? Like the, 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 My prediction is you're going to see several of these candidates, and whether they're one-and-done kind of people, uh, flash in the pan, or can there be an organizing force, right? Um, I think there can be. I don't know if there will be. I can't predict that. I think, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. This is not a prediction. It's just a... Um... An evaluation of that is, you know, people talk about the squad as a kind of unified phenomenon, but I think if you look more closely, there there are differences there, and some members may be more genuinely committed to uh, building a different kind of United States than other members. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, just you know, d- different people play to different kinds of person. Like I can't watch. AOC's social media like I accidentally clicked on like a Facebook story or something you know those things that come across the top once um there's like basically fake TikTok fake Instagram story type things and it was like the most alienating experience I've ever had I was like yeah. oh my gosh like, this is not I, can, I don't let myself um for the last year or two year and a half I have prevented myself from consuming any content about AOC uh, because I know how um, because like Jimmy Carter, I struggle with um, I'm forgetting the word. No, because I don't want to be disappointed. Also because every time I watch the documentary about her and other original members of the justice Democrats, um, on Netflix, I cry. It's true. True. I cry real easy at movies, though. For which reason? Um, because, like, despite uh, everything, like, um, and how cringe it's all become now that they're a thing and now that they're in D.C. and Vanity Fair, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, the, I do believe that and less even AOC because she was always going to be a media darling because she's young, she's well-spoken, she's very attractive, but like some of the others who were running on that same, like they were real normal people and like their stories just impressed the hell out of me. 
And every time I see it, I'm just reminded of like, that's brave. That's just, it's just is brave to do it. It's brave to do it. And it was good for them to do it. And you know, if, if they can do it, like, God damn it. You know what I mean? Like just STFU stop whining. Let's get out there and do it. Um, no, but anyway, I, I forget. Um, why wait did you say prediction yeah i said i'll just do the the lowest hanging fruit of predictions yeah and that's that uh biden fascism is going to get slaughtered in the midterms yeah i i think yeah yeah, i think that the midterms i agree if i'm going to sum up what everyone's saying and like put a button on it since it's almost nine i think the midterms are going to be weird like i agree that they're it, there's going to be, there'll be a, a big swing, but as part of it, there will be a lot of weird stories. You know what I mean? Like, I think we double or triple the 2020 rate of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Chris mm. Butler, AOC type people who don't fit the mold. Uh, since we're collapsing as a political culture, culture, I think as part of that structural process you do start to see uh, alternative type folks coming out of the woodwork doesn't make them any better but like i just think that things get weirder right you guys that's my prediction 2022 agree disagree yeah and i think you're very likely to have trump be the you know grover cleveland part two uh and be the only president to successfully get elected non-consecutively i know that's not 2022 that's obviously a little further out but yeah, but that barring, race will start at the end of like, this year. Yeah, he, he's gonna survive he, until then. Well, that's the thing, though. All right, we just physically. Yeah, let's physically. put something. Yeah. Let's put something. First of all, he's got as much adrenochrome as he needs, and second of all, the fact is that this is a crazy one for me. If I have to stay a minute late, that's fine. Okay. Biden is older than Bernie Sanders. Okay, this needs to be like drilled into people because we think of Bernie Sanders as this like desiccated corpse of an ex-hippie that like get by by some kind of like necromantic magic gets trotted out every four <laughs> years to like attempt to wage war against the machine oh okay. see, that's not how i think of him but i get it. that's the <laughs> right. that's how they try and and paint him yeah but exactly he's yeah. got such a a jouissance, um, oh, élan I, vital, you know, no, savoir-faire. He's, he's a beautiful, he's the hottest politician on the market now. Yeah. And, but, and Joe Biden looks sort of, every time I see him, he reminds me of when I was a kid and I would see my old neighbors, I'd go to their house to play poker. They taught me how to gamble. And that uh, is some serious old people rock energy. It was, they were really great. But then I can remember that they had what looked to me like, paper thin translucent skin where you could see the like blue veins and like every time i see biden he looks more and more like that and like that can't be a good sign (laughs) you know what i mean so my way and and so trump yes does he subsist entirely on like well done omaha steaks yes that's true uh does is his salt intake 300 times higher than it's supposed to be yes but you also have to remember that he hates so many things with a perfect hatred and I think that that does wonders for one's health. The man hates dogs. The man hates women. Like he just, there's so many things that could stress him out that simply will not because he hates them too much to be stressed about them. 
And so I, I, I think Trump's going to be with us for some time, even though his arteries are just full of McDonald's breakfast. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I think it's pretty likely he'll still be with us. And I don't think his fans are going to care about his age. I think you'll see Democrats do like a stupid kind of like attempt to do what the Republicans tried to do to Biden, but the Democrats are always so much worse at these things that it won't work. So they'll be like, Trump's sure looking kind of geriatric, huh, Rachel Maddow? And, you know, it's going to be like, okay, who cares? <laughs> like, he's still, you know, he just did a photo op with the Burger King and went up 30 points in Idaho. Like, there's no, there's no way you're going to stop him, you know? Like, literally, minus him dying, I don't see what could possibly stop him. I mean, Biden barely pulled it off after four years of just utter panic. How's he going to do What it? if we call him uh, Drumpf? <laughs> we can try that. What if we call him... <laughs> What if we call him Donald Trump? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what SNL does. <laughs> oh my goodness, SNL. Trump is I mean, the you only guys don't watch it, right? Who can unite McDonald's and Burger King voters? Like, this is a fact. Like, he, he gets a picture on one side. You know, you you thought that the what would they call them the um the Jerusalem Accords? No, no the Noah Accords. You know, I'm talking about the like fake peace to the middle east thing that jared kushner tried to put together last year where underground tunnels would connect the gaza and the west bank and they would just see okay all right. sorry more and then I all right well, i'm the i'm coming in with the gavel boom we're bringing in 2022 uh i love you both i love all of our listeners um i'm sorry for everything i've said and i look forward to doing more listening in 2022 um Bye-bye. All right, bye, guys. God bless you, my friends. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.